welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Pearl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. Um, good evening, everyone, once more. Sorry about the um, delay with starting the session. So yes, let's just um, dive right in. Um, the topic for today's session is actually a very interesting one. It's for me and, um, yeah. So the topic is understanding unit economics to ensure profitability for your startup. And we have a very distinct set of speakers and they were carefully selected. The kind of speakers we had today, we have today are, we have two CEOs, one product marketing manager and one financial modeler to give us like very deep insights into this topic and um, let me just go ahead to introduce our speakers then i'll just allow them to say a thing or two about um themselves our first speaker is um zainab wanchiku and zainab is a co-founder and lead financial modeler at the intellectual blog which is an investment readiness consulting company that works with startup founders looking to raise funds for starting or expanding their businesses. And Zainab has six plus years experience in accounting, finance, and analysis. And Zainab has worked with more than 50 founders around the world, some of whom have, some of whom have gone on to raise over 5 million US dollars. And she is a highly sought after financial modeler and a huge advocate for women empowerment and mind wellness Senab, good evening once more and it's really nice to have you on board i don't know if you can take a minute to say a thing or two about yourself hi good evening um thank you so much for having me here um i'm not sure what else to say you've sort of already said it all well i think you've already done all of the introduction um thank you so much for having me here all right, all right. So maybe our, our next speakers, I'll probably just allow them to talk about themselves. I would love if you gave me such a nice introduction as well. Uh, hello, everybody. My name is Amino Ibrahim. I'm the CEO of Camel. Uh, so Camel is a social commerce app that connects uh, resellers that sell products on social media directly with wholesalers or importers that bring products directly uh, abroad or manufacturers to sell onto their network and if they're able to book a sale, they get to keep a commission for themselves. Uh, if you're interested in starting a business, you can visit us on www.getcamel.com uh, to get started. Um, about myself, I have a background in computer science uh, and I, as well as an MBA uh, from Peking University in China. Uh, my my startup, Camel, has raised 100,000 USD so far and we're new in the Nigerian market, but we're, we're growing quite fast. And I hope I will be able to give a little bit of insight into unit economics today. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much, Aminu. I'm hoping to get your ex all the experience you got from your MBA at China and all yours, the reason you did for your startup. Um, thank you very much. Um, Kenneth, please, let's let's hear from you. Let's hear from you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is Kenneth Jama. Um, uh, I work at Sales Unit as the founder and CEO. Uh, so at Sales Unit, we are a bookkeeping um, app for micro and small businesses uh, across Africa. Just a little uh, background story of what led us to 
uh, a while ago, I was working at my mom's restaurant as just a, a restaurant manager. But I noticed that we had a bookkeeping challenge and we, there was no very efficient way to solve the problem at the time. So I so it led me to, to start working on on the sales unit uh, bookkeeping idea. And it has, it has been a, a very awesome experience. We, are, we also are very new, new to the market. Uh, about the, our project started about this month, maybe about a year. We've still been in operation. So about myself, uh, I studied computer science. Um, so I've, I had um, over five years there about of, of experience as a developer. Uh, where I worked with different uh, across different industries with uh, across different industries, and also I have a bit of experience with um, data analysts. Uh, will I say experience? I did it with data analysts, so I think and that experience really helped me while starting sales. And I think that's a bit about myself. Thank you very much. All right, thank you um, very much, Kenneth. So if um, just to reiterate, so Kenneth is a CEO, Aminu is a co-founder also, Zenep, Zenap is a financial modeler and also a co-founder at a half consulting firm. And our last speaker, David, which I will allow to introduce himself, a very, he's also very, he's very, very key to this conversation. He's a product managing, product marketing manager. Um, So let's just dive right in. And um, I see a few more people have joined. Happy boy. Um, nice to have you on here, Tosin. Nice to have you on here. So just to give a little bit background about like Startup Launch Code and what we do. So Startup Launch Code is a good studio for early stage startups. And we work with startups to ramp up um, user acquisition and um, scaling. And we have this Launchpad platform where we bring together founders, startup experts in the startup ecosystem to come and talk about topics related to startups, related to fundraising, related to profitability for your startups. And after each session, they are recorded and we edit and upload on our Launchpad platform. Yeah, so let's dive right in. So I usually like to start with an icebreaker question. So the first question for today related to this topic, which is um, understanding unit economics to ensure profitability for your startup. So I'll be starting with you, Zainab, for this question, right? So I want you to just help us understand what unit economics is and how like it applies to startups. Just help us with like the foundational knowledge we need to drive this conversation. Um, Zainab, please. Unit economics for startups <clears throat> basically will be where startup founders get to figure out what the what their key business drivers are. Right. So for instance, if you're a founder and you say you're looking to raise a hundred K in funding, um, you're going to need to be able to break down not just what you want to do with the money, but how you're going to make it back. So the process of being able to break down in detail, like I'm selling a piece of bread, the piece of bread costs 200 naira and I'm going to sell it for 600 naira. The process of being able to break that down in detail is figuring out your unit of economics as a startup founder. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does, it does. Thank you um, very much. Um, Aminu or David, does any one of you want to 
add something to that as related to startups or being a founder and like how the knowledge of unit economics is very important? Uh, yeah, uh, so uh, from a startup perspective, I would say unit economics uh, entails also, in addition to what Zainab said, entails also breaking down how much it costs you to create to sell one unit of your product to a customer and make profit from it. So it's broken down into several components. There's the acquisition cost of the customer. There's the lifetime value of the customer if you have acquired them. There's the gross margin that you are earning from selling that product to that customer. And from that, you'd be able to know over time, are you truly making money or are you just doing a bonanza uh, that customers are paying you, but you're not really uh, generating profit and you're not going to ever generate profit if you keep if you keep uh, running your business in that in that fashion. All right. Thank you, um, Aminu. So um, the, I'm one thing I'm thinking from what you've said is unit economics helps you know if you are making business, if you're making money, if you truly have a business or if you're just doing a bonanza. Um, David, please, I would like to hear from you too. Um, so we, we respect that. Um, most times, let me just, um, most times, um, you might not be making money from start if you do the calculation because as a startup, you might not make money. But if you really check um, the customer lifetime value and um, um, after also checking your acquisition costs and you confirm that if this customer keeps buying continuously, it's a subscription uh, method you are using. And customer keep buying continuously. And after a particular period of time, you could make the money maybe within a year and all of that is still fine because there are a lot of business out there currently that um, are not really making money at the moment. But because of all the calculations they've made, because of all the prospect they've made, um, investors still see it as a good, uh, a fertile ground to invest because of the possibility of, um, of the value it will bring in, in a short period of time. All right. Um, thank you very much. And you made mention of something which Amini talked about also, customer acquisition costs and customer lifetime value. That's why I dragged Kenneth into this conversation. So Kenneth, just, we're still going to go, we're going to, we're going to dive deeper into what these things mean and how it affects a business, right? But Kenneth, just your thoughts with respect to unit economics and the profitability of a business. Thank you very much. So I would like to um, look at um, regarding, um, uh, I would like to look at it from one very important area, which is uh, they, are, they are like they are, they are very important um, components that you must be looking at when you talk about unit economics. One of them is um, your cost of acquiring your customer. I, 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 how much does it cost you to acquire one, one customer to serve that customer? Because unit economics really focuses on how much is it? How much? How much does it cost me to produce this product if I'm selling a bottle of water? How much does it uh, cost me to, to produce that bottle of water? And how much does it cost me to get a customer to sell it? So, to one thing we're looking at, we're looking at things like uh, um, we're looking at things like the the cost of marketing, and we're looking at things like uh, the the cost of producing these goods, what are the raw materials and everything that's needed to produce this this particular this particular good. And, and some, sometimes when we do our, when we do this, our calculation, we'll be surprised that at year one, usually most, most 
business and are not profitable at year one. But yes, revenue do comes in, but most businesses are not profitable at year one. So, but however, the the, the best the best way to do your projection is to do your projection over a five years period. Look okay, for this five years period, as my business going as my business going to look like. I am making these projections and it's going to look like across this five years period. Um, how many of these customers are, are going to keep coming? How many of these customers are, are going to keep coming? And what will it cost us to save this customer over year one, year two, year three? So, and and you, usually at some business break even at year three, some some go go over to like year five, depending on the kind of business that you are running. But but however, you must look at this. You must look at um, you must look at the things like your your LTV, the lifetime value and the and the cost of acquiring your customer. How many transactions are you performing per day or per time, over time? How many transactions are you performing to make up? Because take for instance, I'm making a very high, a very um, when I say a high transaction, I'm making my my product sells one million naira. One of my products costs one million, and I only make one sale in let's say in in, in one month. So somebody ah you go. You have a very profitable because you look at the, to the untrained mind, we say I have a very profitable business. Um, but un- until you look at the unique economics, you do not really know if that business is profitable. I think that's, where, that's what I would have to say on that. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you very much for that, Kenneth. So, Zena, please, I want to ask David and Aminu a question now. Um, Kenneth made mention of something which I think I would want you to answer later on. I just want to mention it now so I don't forget. So, he said something related to um customer acquisition costs being the, like the costs needed to produce an item or a, a good or a service so what comes to my mind is with respect to tech companies most likely software companies when they talk about customer acquisition costs they talk about how much it would cost them to acquire one customer and lifetime value being how much the customer will spend so i want to like kind of understand because that is like the direct understanding unit economics directly. So I'm like, why is that in such cases, founders don't kind of take into consideration the cost of, of internal operations, like things like your dev team and all of that. But before I come back to that, um, David and Aminu, you guys are both CEOs, right? So I just wanted to know from your experience, how unit economics has um, impacted like strategic decision-making for you guys. So David first, then um, Aminu. Um, David, over to you, please. Yeah, you're talking about how it has really helped them. So, um, I'll, I'll come from this angle. So, most times when we are trying to create a tech business, um, people don't really look at the marketing parts. They first put into consideration the tech parts, what it will cost to get the tech guys and all of that. And most times they forget that whatever products you are you're trying to bring, it will cost more money, even times three or four of what you used to build it to market to more time or even more. So um, looking at it from this perspective, so how, how um, this topic we're talking about, uh, which is um, um, unit economics as is for, for CEOs that are aware of the, the pain in um, acquiring customers, you will need a marketing plan, a marketing plan that has proper research and or an even um, costs, the um, acquisition cost that is per head of each person, just a, a probability that, for example, 
will possibly use so-so amount of money to get one customer to click through and maybe make an inquiry. And we'll possibly use so-so amount of money to get one customer to buy this product because the product is at this rate. So if we use that amount, me, what, what, what I would do is to maybe times by two. So you put in your, in your mind that this amount will give you one customer. That's the possibility. But the good thing about marketing is if actually that amount, because even in, in every marketing, uh, every marketing, uh, starting every marketing campaign is more like we are testing. Yes, you've gone through all the research and everything, but you are doing A-B testing, especially if that's a new product. So when, when, you do, when you do that calculation up your mind and you have this um, written down that, okay, you possibly spend this amount to get this customer, you should be able to calculate your cost well. I know that I will need this entire amount of money to get this product from A to so-so-so level. So I think that is how it has helped people that are aware of um, the, the process and marketing. All right. Thank you very much, David. And pardon my mistake once more. Um, Aminu, please let's hear from you on how understanding of unit economic has impacted strategic decision making. So for this, I think I would like to give an example. Just recently, uh, we wanted to run a sales promotion for for a supplier of rice products. Who they wanted to create a rice bundle. And the partnership between us and them was that they will supply the products. We are in charge of the marketing. And the margin uh, of the sale, that's how we make money. And to, to enable us make money from that, we needed to understand the unit economics of the entire transaction. They had only about 50 bags of rice available, right? We could decide we want to spend a million naira to advertise 50 bags of rice. Almost everybody in Nigeria would see that if they are online. But at the end of the day, even if those 50 bags of rice sold out, we wouldn't have made money, right? Because we overspent in advertising little inventory. So to cater for unit economics in this context, we, we need to calculate uh, how much is it in total, the, the cost of the inventory, how much is our margin, in, and what part of that can we sacrifice to say we are going to advertise and still make some money. It ended up being around 80K in advertisement that we could spare. And then we'd made, it would make around 70, thereabout as an, as an example. And that puts into the concept of unit economy in terms of the acquisition costs, the ad, ad budget that we set aside was the acquisition cost uh, in, in this in this context. So that's one example that I can point to. Um, so many startups don't really put this into perspective as well. I would say we made that mistake when we when we started in the beginning. Uh, we spent a lot of money in advertising our product when we were not ready for it. Right. So we ended up acquiring a lot of users in the beginning that were not very active. So that's also another example, the acquisition costs and the inventory that we had in, in stock at that time, it did not make sense to spend that amount of money because we didn't take into account the unit economics. If you came, uh, would you really, would we really be making money off you even if all of the inventory sold out? Um, so yeah, thank you. 
All right. Um, thank you very much for that, Amelie. Okay, let me just go ahead to um, the next question I have. So this question is related, is about startups balancing rapid growth with maintaining profitability. So we have said something this evening that a number of times startups don't necessarily start generating profits from the first year. So um, I just wanted to know our thoughts with respect to that because there is still this mindset also that startups are meant to grow rapidly, right? And yeah, just um, Zena, please, I don't know if you can help us with um, answering this and giving your perspective to it. Um, okay, so yes, startups are expected to grow rapidly, but it doesn't change the fact that a startup is a business. And so um, no matter what, when you're starting something new, you'd, you'd have to pick up momentum. So once you're starting your business, being able to um, figure out unit economics like we're talking about helps you to plan better. Like um, Amino's example, right? So because they were able to plan, they figured that uh, if they spend so much money trying to sell so little inventory, at the end of the day, there's no profit on it, right? So because you're expected to grow rapidly does not mean you go and seek out um, excess cash. It doesn't mean you spend so much money. Like all the ways we've been talking about reaching customers is paid channels, but there are organic ways to actually reach customers. Like just based on the founder and the founder's own inner circle, right? There are people that you can reach in your own market organically without even spending money so you know i feel like the phrase um startups are supposed to grow rapidly is just you know something that people use to put themselves under pressure you know like plan it doesn't mean that you're planning um, will turn out the exact same way but once things turn out you can now use the results of what has happened to make comparisons and then plan better for tomorrow. Um, there's one thing I, I, I usually say to my co-startup founders who are, when I sit to them and we're discussing, even people will say, ah, Ken, I want to start this idea and all that. I just said, so startup is quite different from um, from a regular business because one of one thing is that regular business, their models are, are, well, are well established. They know they are unit economics like the back of their hands. They know every every bottle of drink they say they can tell you the point, uh, the, the profit that they are making and their their gross and their gross margin on everything they are making for each bottle of drink that they sell. It's quite quite established. But for a startup, startup is quite different. In that sense, we are, so we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to look for we're trying to look for a scalable model. So what what I usually say to to founders is. And I think I agree with Zenab on that. Is uh, uh, startups are, are learning machine. They are they actually learning machine. You as a founder, you are, you are, you are in some kind of a school. So the so you you as you're working every day in the business, the business the, the market is teaching you something new, and you are just we are just uh, we are just moving the startup to fit as the market moves. And and something some something there is. Before even going into, before even you must be armed with the right knowledge, and one of those things, one of those right knowledge is understanding the market. You must you must have your market research properly done. Understanding your unit economics, you must understand your customer 
persona and all of those things. You must have those those two sets, those uh, two in your in your two chests. But however, the market is going to teach you something new. So, do like I, like I said, uh, like like what Zenab Zenab said. Do not pressure yourself too much. Oh, we must grow and all of those things. And I'm uh, trying to to sell your uh, over promise and under deliver. That's some of the things that happens to to customer. It's more uh, sorry, startup rather. It's more of a kind of I feel it's more of a kind of this um, startup founder running to this vanity metrics kind of thing. Whereby uh, we, we like to show the numbers. So the numbers are like we were doing. Uh, we, we just eat five thousand uh, subscribers, five thousand users. We like to show the numbers, but but I want to we must we must understand that. It's, our business is not yet an established business. It's actually like a school. We're actually learning what the market wants, how the market wants to perceive our products, and we're using we're using some of this some of this information we have about the market to make intelligent intelligent assertion and decision as we move forward. So that's just what I wanted to drop in there. Thank you very much. All right. Um. Thank you very much for that addition, um, Kenneth. I mean, do you have any personal experiences you want to share with us which related to this? Yeah, I think I mentioned one example before. Um, personal example. Uh, when we started, uh, it's typical for most startups, uh, you want to show numbers. And so we spent quite a bit on trying to grow. That ended up helping us in getting users, but it also ended up just being a learning curve because we weren't ready for that kind of growth. Uh, we hadn't really figured out uh, product market fit yet. So scaling was not really the right thing to do. It, it, it would have been better to just sit back, relax. Uh, if you had 200 users that we were working with consistently and trying to give them enough value that organically we started to grow, that would have been better for us in the long run. Right. Uh, so that's a personal example. Thank you very much for that, Aminu. Um, Zeno, please permit me to um, come back to you. So um, you had made mention of something with respect to founders not putting pressure on themselves, right? So I just wanted to know if you could just talk about that a bit more with respect to startup founders and investors. So not just founders putting pressure on themselves, but also um, investors and how unit economics is kind of important with respect to um, fundraising. Yeah, so... Um... For instance, a founder could come to us and say, um, hey, Zainab, I want to raise $10 million. And I'm like, okay, cool. What do you want to do with it? And by the time we talk about it, you probably need $1 million. You don't need up to 10, right? But then because maybe on the news or something, I don't know, <laughs> I think it's peer pressure or something, right? You're seeing, you're seeing other people raising and you feel like oh, that person is my mate. We should be on the same level, you know. <laughs> I should be able to raise ten million too. But then it's like it's it's not about age anymore. It's not about your mate anymore. It's just where you are in business. We're all at different levels, and you know it, it helps you check meet your investors as well. Sometimes um, we we tend to put the investors on like a pedestal, like they're God. But they're not, they're just providing you cash that you need right now to grow. But the onus is on you as the founder to accept what you need and let go of the rest. Like, don't take excess cash to kill yourself. Because when you lie and say, you know, you can do X, Y, Z, meanwhile, 
you're maybe for instance you haven't figured out product market fit and you actually get the money is possible for you to get money that you don't need right you the money stuck in your bank account and your investors are pressuring you right because you collected the money they didn't force it down your throat and they want their money back they don't just want their capital investments back if you collected a loan they want the capital and they want the interest back if you um if you invited the investor in as an equity owner then they own a part of your business they're probably part of the decision making right so these are like decisions that you need to figure out for yourself as a founder and don't let other people or what other people are doing be the reason that you're making the decisions you're making also don't let your investors start see you you know and make it look like you can't do well without their money think about how far you've come without having to even go and look for external funding and build on that build on that because once you build on your own sweat equity in those investor conversations you know you're holding a place of power right because you you understand now your unit economics not just because you planned before you started but because you've already started you start life is life in and you're already seeing how things are going in the market and thus you're making better plans you know you're not going to make one plan that will just take you to 10 million you're going to make one plan that will help you start and you keep improving it along the way so yeah <laughs> Thank you. I, I just wanted to drop in something to uh to have regarding what Zen have said about uh, taking him to Moshka. So when I started um when I started Silsin, so I, I reached out to my former uh, boss who I worked with. So he, so I, we're talking and he said something to me and that's really struck my mind and that thing stayed with me. And we're talking about fundraising and I think Zen have just even mentioned she said take what you need. Not what's not what's fitting for tech crunch. Uh, so take what you need. So and he, he said it in another way to me. He said, Kenneth, most startups have died from too much money than lack of no cash. Said so really you ever hear any startup that oh they didn't have the money to push. That's why they died. Say so some startups have taken too much cash and they died. And it, I didn't know what knew what he was saying until the robber met the road and until we started the operations and all of that. I knew. So this is what he actually meant and all that. So just like Zenob said, take what you need. Go for what you need, actually. Thank you very much. All right. Um, just to um, ask David Aminu, does anyone have anything to add before I move on? I, I like not to, for myself, to let that kind of pressure get to me, mostly because some of these reasons that you see on the news, they are not the full picture or the real truth. You take some of them with a great grain of salt, right? Uh, and like she said, truly, in Nigerian context, for example, you really need for a new startup to raise ten million US dollars to succeed or to even get started. How many, how many companies are really returning that kind of capital in this in this current context? You'll find that you you really struggle to to return money to your investors for a new startup just just kicking off. Maybe if you grow into it later down the line that kind of capital is warranted but to get to get started or to to grow sustainably that's not the kind of money you need in nigeria 
All right. Um, thank you for that, Aminu. Um, David, I see you wanted to add something to it. Yeah, it's just the same thing everyone is saying, but I just want to say that um, steady growth is necessary. You don't need to... Um, so most startups outdo themselves. Uh, when a lot of money comes in, I think they forget that um, growth actually takes time, generally. Um, even though you have a lot of money, you still need to be able to put a lot of things in place you don't need to forget the the way you started. You started um, with some particular process and you need to maintain culture. You need to maintain a lot for that money not to swallow you or what's the best word to use. So um, what I think startups should focus on too is also the value that they give. So even as a business is growing, you just need to seek more for more value to to give the even though it's a few people you you um you you have and that kind of growth is 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 better take only what you need according to what every other um or guy here let me use that word i've said so um, i'll give this i'll give this example with um there's a particular business um I've been seeking for partnership for one. So what we did was just to repurpose everything about the business and focus more on the value the business have to offer. We don't have numbers. That particular business don't have numbers. Very, very little numbers. But one thing we're able to say was that the numbers that are here have been consistent for one year plus. The numbers that are here have been consistent buyers, consistent subscribers for over one year, and they've not left. And the, that, that means the, those um, subscribers have value for their money. So what that business needs is just more visibility and gradual visibility and all of that. So the, it's, it's, it was easy to just get start getting partnership and integration of APIs with other partners because of the value that is seen. So... I feel instead of seeking for money because of the news and all of that, you should just get what you need or just create more value that is, is in a bit able that the business grow. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you very much for that, David. But just to touch a bit on what you what you said. So you made mentions about the numbers being consistent for a period of time, right? So, and that was like, obvious that okay it's now time to ramp up acquisition it's now time to try different channels to get uh, more subscribers because you could tell that these sub subscribers were um getting value for their money which is something that founders or the founders tag as um product market fits but what would you say about startups that haven't gotten to that stage yet right so founders that are still trying they're still in that testing phase, like you had initially made mention of that. After doing your research, you still have to test. The explanation you gave, you talked about how the numbers were consistent and how the subscribers were get, getting value for their money. And it was a sign that, okay, now, and I, I believe that at that point in time, in terms of like their unit economics, they were seeing like profits on each um, subscriber. And it's like, obvious that, okay, it is time for us to try different channels in order to like, ramp up acquisition in order to scale up to an extent so now i'm asking what about startups that are still in that testing or experimenting phase which you earlier made mention about when you talked about how at the beginning you do your research but you also have to test okay so thank you um so 
basically that's why you really need to do this this is an experiment but <laughs> so you really need to understand what your business need before you request for anything you know you need to know uh is it money you really need or is it people you need so if it's people you need and it's only money you can use to get those people fine if it's money that you need a loan because you want to create some things that will make people come that's fine so i think um at the um, after your business have run for a while and you have been giving value to some set of people and they have been consistent, you've been able to test that the complaints, the, the, in fact, the complaints are minimal or they are no complaints at all. That means, that, that, that should drive home to you that if 1,000 people or 2,000 people are seeing value for this, I just need 2,000 more people or 20,000 more of this kind of people in this platform, you would have understand the um, what the demography of those people that are currently using it steadily, and you'll be able to look for those set of people. Then you need to know what you need to get those people. Do you actually need to meet businesses that already have these people, or you need money? So I think that's where most um, most startup kind of miss it. Yeah. So I don't know if I answered you directly or so. Yes, yes, you did. Thank you very much. Um, before I go ahead to ask if anyone in the audience has a question for our speakers, I just wanted to get um, Aminu's and Kenneth's thoughts on something. So as founders, as CEOs, are there times where you've noticed that, okay, you understand like the basics of your business, like you understand the nitty-gritty, the unit economics per se, and due to due to unforeseen circumstances or changes in the market environment that has affected your business, or even if it's not your business, someone you know, a founder you know, and how do you think founders can approach that? So we, let's hear from um, Kenneth first, then Aminu. Okay. Okay. Great. So, uh, uh, so let me go. Um, so we, so at sales unit, we, we uh, like that. I said, uh, I think it's as I said. Um, startups are really like a learning machine. So you don't. Yes, you, you go, you go there with this is what I, this is what I want to serve the market with. But however, sometimes execution changes. But destination might remain the same, but execution changes. And I'll give you a very practical example of what happened to us at State Unit. So State Unit, we started out with um, installation of point of sale system for businesses, restaurants, and so so when we started out installing, we got a lot of a lot of order to it. So oh, we want we want this. This is so even and our initial skepticism was like, would these people who have never used any form of software for their business who are very like they are very traditional. Uh, they, they use normal book and pen bio to take their records. We don't want to use digital bookkeeping for their business. And we say, there's only one, one way to find out. Let's go to meet our target customers and, and speak, with, um, speak with them and offer the solution to them. And lo and behold, we got a lot of, we got a lot of um, patronage from customers. In fact, sometimes we're having too much than we could, uh, we could handle at the time. But, yeah, we begin to experience a lot of churn. Like people were so, and uh, we need to take note of some of our customers who, who, who were. And this, all these were part of our market research. So let me just uh, say this ahead of time. So all these were part of our market research. So we need to experience a lot of customers not using the product on a day-to-day -day basis because 
we understand that one of the one of the metrics that we must track for our product is the day-to-day usage of the product. Because obviously, if you open your business for a day, you must make sales. And where are you recording your sales? We are using our tool to record those sales for your business. So we begin to monitor some particular of our, our customers. We noticed that they, they were not using. So we put a call across to them. Oh, so we say, uh, 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 sorry, uh, we had an issue with our, with our system. Our system crashed. So we had to send one of our technical team there. So please help, help them fix it. They fixed the system. We came back. And we noticed that we didn't know that that was not the actual reason. The actual reason was we spoke to the business owner. And the business owner was excited about our offering. But the person who was going to use the product wasn't the business owner. The person who was going to use the product was the sales rep. And so, and that was a major issue for us. So the, the software we built was good enough, but some of these sales reps that were sitting on the, in the front desk using the software on a day-to-day basis were not very tech-inclined. Some of them had never really used a computer before. So that was a major problem. In fact, the day I discovered that that was a problem, I... I I was from like 10, it was like nine o'clock in the evening to like 1 a.m. in the night. I could not eat, I could not sleep. I was just thinking like, <laughs> so how do we go about it? This is this is this, this is like this is like taking your old your old artillery and everything and just destroying it in a, in just a minute. I begin to think so. I I luckily I, I had a, a friend who was a who was a product guy with Zeti, uh, like kind of like a, like a big bro. Was a product guy with his disciple required. I said, This is what we're facing. So and he told me that you're offering a good service, but your delivery is wrong. I said, Wow. Say, yes, you're offering a service that businesses want, but your delivery is wrong. So I so we sat down, went to the drawing board, and we analyzed our delivery. And guess what? It actually even affected our pricing. <laughs> affected our pricing because if we're not changing our mode of delivery, affected our pricing and all of that. We, so it led us to something we would never even consider. We'd never consider our customer segmentation. We just realized that, oh, this customer, people who have this business, but we realized that we're wrong. Again, we started going more. I started segmenting our customers. Oh, these customers is different from this customer. They all, they all have one underlying problem, but they are different. So we had to we had to not develop, trying to develop different product offering for them. So with all of those things, increase all the complexity, increase us need to understand our customer, increase us, uh, increases uh, the complexity of understanding the numbers as regarding each of these customers. So that's one of the, the areas I can say that, that practically we, we are, that I can really point to in, that, in this kind of scenario. Thank you very much. All right. Um, thank you very much for that, um, Kenneth. That observation and experience really give you a lot of insights for your business. Um, and Aminu, please, do you want to add? Okay, I think I had a similar experience with him. Uh, when we first started our product, we were in the big bookkeeping space as well. So at that time, our whole thesis was we were going to create a bookkeeping solution with a website component for SMEs and go sell it to them for a subscription. Uh, lo and behold, we went into the Nigerian market before we build this product, everyone was like, oh, yeah, this sounds great. We're willing to pay you. They were willing to use it for sure, but they were not willing to pay. They were not willing to pay for just a website or just a bookkeeping tool. Uh, several reasons for this. There, there is a lot of bookkeeping tools in Nigeria that are free. You can use Keeper for free. Uh, you can use uh, Bumper for a bit of entries. There are also a lot of websites uh, that you can uh, tools that you can get for free. Flutterwave, for example, has a free Flutterwave store. Uh, but that 
that understanding also led us to, to dig deeper, right? Um, we went into more research and we found, although people do have websites or bookkeeping, they still struggled with uh, making sales online, right? And that was more of a marketing issue. Uh, this was what led us to our current pivot to where we are currently. And in that aspect as well, we uh, we had to be more picky with what kind of customer that we were targeting. So when we first started, it was more like anybody that sells stuff can be our customer. You can come and sign up on Canada, you can come and sell your products there. But now we realized because we are more targeted at get driving sales online and getting dropshippers to do that for you, the kind of products that needed to be on our marketplace itself needed to be things that that drove kind of desire, right? It's something that you'd see and be like, oh yeah, wow, I want this. I need to be things that you wouldn't just be walking around and find or walk into any market and find, right? So now we are more focused on getting either local local brands or original importers of goods from, let's say, Zara or H&M that we know that they are, they are a certified importer that brings these goods into Nigeria. Uh, for for certified importers or wholesalers, those that really import things in bulk into the country, we know now that those guys are also not willing to pay us a subscription. But because their pricing is very, very good, we're able to partner with them, invest the money into the advertising, and make money out of the differential. Well, for smaller brands, if we know, okay, hey, you are, uh, you are an Nigerian brand, something like Mitchell's, for example, we can request you pay us to do and an, an, we give you the website. You want a website, we can give you a website. But if you want us to advertise it for you on our marketplace, get you in a talk of affiliates to kind of drop ship your items for you, you pay us to do that. And that's been more where we are getting a bit of traction recently. And all of that was through iterative learning and taking into context uh, uh, the unit economics. Uh, are people really willing to pay, number one? How much will it cost us to acquire customers? And would we really make money over time? given the kind of customers that we are uh, we're onboarding in the past, like when we first got started. All right, Aminu, um, thank you very much for um, sharing your experience. And it's very interesting to see how this kind of experience can really change the direction you're trying to like move your startup. You talked about some very useful things. Kenneth talked about even how it affected the whole um, customer segmentation for um, his startup. And even funny enough, when you made mention about how you have some customers that are willing to use your um, products but not pay, I could see Kenneth put up a laughing emoji. I guess he it's something he can really um, relate to. And um, yeah, I think we are at the end of the session. And just to round up, we really want to like hear from like each speaker the um, final advice you have for founders with respect to understanding the very basics of their business, that is the unit economics and how it can um, help them ensure profitability for their business, how it can help them ensure sustainability. So we would hear from David first, then Aminu, then Kenneth, then Zina. Just um, your final advice. And David, Okay, so I feel every business should um, properly understand their markets. Like they should have their market on the back of their arms the same way the women in the market understand every bit of their business. So every um, startup, tech startup should be able to understand their business, the, the kind of people that needs it, 
and how to go for those people. The exact way and the easiest way, the even the cheapest way to go, go for those people that need it. So um, everybody should not just follow one route of immediately looking for investors. Investors are good though. Immediately looking for investors, but it's, I don't think it's every business that really needs that route. But if you understand your business well enough and know the best way to market it, you'll be able to reduce um, some challenges that um, won't my face in the future. Thank you. All right. Um, thank you for that, um, David. Um, Aminu, over to you, please. I think for me, I would say, I would say focus on value creation uh, above scaling at all costs, right? If you're able to create value for a subset of your users, you would be able to monetize it in the long run. Uh, second, be very customer-centric uh, in, in building your, your product, especially for an upcoming startup. Uh, focus on what your customer needs. This also goes back to the value creation. Uh, be willing to iterate with your customers uh, on your pricing, on your business model, uh, and growing the business together with them instead of trying to shove something down their throats. All right. Thank you very much, Aminu, for that. Um, Kenneth, want to hear from you too? Okay, great. So uh, I'll start. I'll start out by this. So um, Peter Drucker. I don't even know if you know Peter Drucker. So Peter Drucker was asked a question. Say, what's the purpose of a business? So he, or he asked a question, what's the purpose of a business? So, so that person said, oh, purpose of business is to create profit, uh, is to make profit, is to create value in the world, is to change the world. Everybody, and we all have our different uh, reasons of creating a business. But however, Peter Drucker said, the purpose of a business is to create a customer. So, and and that is struck, struck me like, what do you mean? Say, create a customer. So you don't have a business if you don't have someone that's paying you. So my 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 word, or that I even say to myself, because usually I don't want to say things to, to someone that I don't, that, that, that doesn't work for me. My word I would say to myself is, focus on your customer. Have this on, on, on handing customer obsession. No, you want to understand your customers better. You want to know how to serve them, how to deliver to them. Because it all starts there. If your customers are not are not uh, uh, are not understanding your product, they find your product difficult, your margins are off, uh, anything that brings discomfort to your customer, your customer will, will look for a better alternative. So have this I would say to every founder out there, even including myself, is focus on your could just be obsessed with your customer. Who has the customers the most wins the wins the game? Not who has the better <laughs> better startup office or cool gadget and everything. Who has the customer the most wins the business? So that's just my my good statement. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for your addition, um, Kenneth. As Zainab, our financial experts, what are your final advice for founders? Yeah. Okay. So I'd say think long term, right? Um, the whole process of being, well, the whole process of being a start, building your startup is actually a process. You're not going to figure out your customers in one day. You're not going to figure out your unit economics in one month. You know, it's going to take a while. It's going to take some time as you figure out the details of your business, right? And value is always being exchanged. Even when, you know, you're seeking for funding and you get a loan no is actually value being exchanged to you because it then tells you, you know, you're not ready or there are things you still need to figure out. So at the end of the day, it's all a process, right? I'll say you're living one life 
as you're building your startup, try to have fun along the way, you know, so you're not just being a robot and thinking about short-term gains. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that, Zainab. And to those listening, if you didn't take everything that was said in the conversation, at least you take this final advice from the founders, so um, from our speakers. So David said, every business should understand their Every business owner should understand their business, the markets, and customers at the back of their hand, and they should focus on the easiest and cheapest way to deliver value. Aminu talked about how founders should um, focus on value creation above scaling at all costs, and it is very important to be customer-centric. We've had sessions about the importance of being customer-centric as a startup. And it's very important for founders to focus on what customer needs, on customer needs. And Kenneth Stock quoted Peter Drucker. I think I was just hearing this one for the first time. I'm really going to go check it out. So he said the purpose of a business is to create a customer, and that is someone that is willing to pay you for value. And Zenov brought about the um, standpoint from sustainability, how it's important to think, think long-term as a business and how business building is actually a process. So yeah, thank you very much for our speakers for this session. It was actually enlightening for me. And thank you to those in the audience. Thank you, Dawood Kendi. Thank you, Precious. Thank you, Behind the Scenes. <laughs> thank you, Hemera. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Sage. Thank you, Precious. Thank you, Sanusi. Thank you, Happy Boy. Thank you, Odyssey. Thanks, everyone, for joining the session today. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative, and keep building those dreams. Until next time, bye.